Welcome to another edition of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I'm your host today. My name is Ray Gerard. And uh, with me in studio is a very uh, special guest. Um, and you might think, you know, this happened because I pulled some strings because she happens to be my wife. She also happens to be a book author. Her name is Diane. Diane, welcome to the program. Thanks for, thanks for letting me be here. She wrote an interesting book called uh, Choosing Heaven. Very colorful cover on the book, which just happened to be uh, the artwork of uh, a nun. It belongs to the Sisters of the Precious Blood. Yes, Sister Mary Beth Kemper. And uh, she did a, a spectacular painting, acrylic painting, just for the book. And it basically shows uh, a, a two paths. One seemingly looking very flowery and colorful, but it leads to darkness and another path that is a little bit more difficult with rocks, a little uphill, a little bit of rocks and thorns, but leads us uh, to the cross, leads us to heaven and our eternal life with God. I mean, an intriguing title, Choosing Heaven. I mean, it's, that's obviously what our whole lives are all about, so it might, it might be an interesting read, and we're going to get into that book and, and, and all about it, but before we go anywhere, what we, uh, what we always do is we start off with a prayer, and we make an offer uh, to the guest if the guest wants to lead us in the prayer, but if it shouldn't have to, so um, I'll, uh, but I'll, I'll, uh, I guess I'll take that on today myself, so in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, dear Lord in heaven. Please help us this day. Help us to express things that are only in accord with your will. Help those that are listening to hear with with open hearts. And help us to all uh, learn what it is that you want us uh, to know from you and to extend to others. We ask this in the blessed name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father Father, and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, yeah, choosing heavens. It's uh, obviously an, an important topic. Um, so tell me, Diane, what is the overall, just in, in a nutshell, can you tell us what is the theme of this book? The theme of the book is really that it is our choice whether we choose to spend eternity with God in heaven or we choose it to, to spend it in darkness with the evil one. And God has given us free will. And the choices that we make every day in our lives lead us toward that path, that choice toward heaven uh, or toward hell. And in the end, uh, we'll be given a choice to go to heaven or hell based upon that free will that God has given us. And we want to be ready to hear God's voice, hear Jesus's voice uh, in that moment. Now, how long has this book been out? Uh, book's been out since February. Book's been out since February. And you've had some reactions from people already to this book, have you not? I have had a, a number of very 
amazing reactions. Um, so would I be correct in saying that you've heard from a priest who uh, has known some trouble, and he told you what about the book? That it saved his soul. It saved, <laughs> it saved his soul. And you've heard from um, a woman in Massachusetts, and she said what? it uh, Brought her back to her faith, back to the church. She's been away from the faith for, for many years. Many years? Yes. Really? She's away for okay. Um, and let's see, there's a, a gentleman who is a position of authority at a religious educational institution, and I believe he said it changed the way he prays. The way he prays. The way he prays. I mean, these are all, you know, significant. Oh, then there's another person I'm leaving off. Um, unfortunate situation. This man, gentleman has cancer. And uh, you were told that... He's read the book uh, multiple times, and he carries the book with him wherever he goes. Yeah, all of these things have really touched, I was touched say, my heart yeah. in, in an amazing way. This has been quite a journey for me. Uh, it's taken me about 10 years to write the book, uh, to really discern what it was that God wanted me to write about, and... Uh, so I feel very, very blessed that it's touched even one soul. Yeah, I mean, this isn't an easy thing to start to do. When you, I mean, you yeah. first, when you just to decide to write a book, I mean, you know, you didn't. This, I mean, you haven't written. I mean, you've written before. You've written parts of books before, right. but nothing religious. Nothing religious. I, I've I've worked. Uh, in my career, I have written articles and published and co-published articles, never attempted a book, um, and certainly not on anything that was religious in nature. So this, is, this has been quite a journey for me. Um, it started, like I said, about 10 years ago with the idea of writing the book, and I felt fairly compelled uh, and a sense of urgency to write the book, and, and I wasn't writing it, and I felt uh, a level of guilt that I wasn't writing the book as quickly as I felt compelled to do. I even went to confession a number of times and said I was sorry that I wasn't writing the book. Uh, eventually, God said it was time, and he kind of dropped me on my head, and, and uh put some medical issues in front of my career, and that gave me the time to write the book. So it was, <laughs> a, it was a blessing in disguise. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I mean, I know a little bit about you, <laughs> but people listening don't. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. We, Catholic? Uh, Cradle, Catholic. Cradle Catholic. Cradle Catholic. Cradle um, Catholic. I would say my grandparents, my grandmother especially, my father's side was the biggest influence in in my life in terms of Catholicism. When I was a young girl, my my mother was working, my father was going to college, and so I stayed with my grandparents during the day. And every morning, uh, they would take their chairs and turn them around at the dining room table and kneel in front of a cross and pray the rosary. And I believe that was really the start of my my love of God, my love of Jesus, and especially of Blessed Mother. And, you know, uh, we all, I think it's safe to say many of us, if not all of us, go through a period of time in 
their young life or in their career where, you know, you're focused more on your career and your life and what needs to get done and the kids and the job and everything else. And um, I think I did that for a while and pushed God aside. Uh, I thought I wasn't, but realize in retrospect that I, I probably was pushing him away. And uh, I, my career was, it was uh, a wonderful career. God gave me um, a, n- a number of gifts with that. And uh, I got to travel all around the world. I got to work on many large projects with many large companies, worked in boardrooms and things like that. So uh, it was uh, it was really a challenge when God decided that that wasn't for me anymore to kind of put that aside. So you were in human resources mm-hmm. and you as you say, made well, you had a hand in writing uh, a lot of portions of proxies for publicly traded corporations mm-hmm. that dealt with human resource issues. Made a lot of board presentations, right? Yeah, absolutely. But this is more nerve wracking than any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a radio program before. Oh, so. well, well, we do we do them here all the time. <laughs> um, but anyways, now uh, you mentioned that um, you felt like you were pushing God away at some point. Yeah, I, I think I kind of put him on the sideline. Um, over the years, during the course of my life, I have felt the presence of God in my life. I have felt his love and um, in, in a number of situations. And when I felt that love, I kind of, it, it was overwhelming. It felt just a love beyond measure, and I really didn't feel worthy of God's love. And so I, I think I kind of put it on the side. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to feel those kinds of things. I wouldn't have to deal with those kinds of things. But I know that when I draw close to God in prayer, I let him into my life, that, that my life is full of blessings, and I see the blessings more, and I, um, I feel loved. I feel loved by God. And so I, I think what this book, I'm trying, one of the things I'm trying to do in this book is to help everybody feel that love. And no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you think you have done, God loves you and he will always find you and he will find a way to you. And all you have to do is open up just the teeniest, tiniest little crack. And when you do... His love just pours in, and um, and that's a choice that we need to make. So, um, so that's the, so that is really the the, gen, uh, the idea behind the book that we make choices every day, whether we even think that we're doing it or not, and that all of these choices lead us either towards or away from God. Correct. So when, when we make our choices, uh, and, and it's hard to see choices sometimes in the, in the immediate moment, but when we look kind of backwards in our lives or we look uh, at other people's lives, there's kind of a trajectory. And depending upon the choices you make at one step makes it easier or harder to, to do something in the next step. And 
you know, for example, if you drop out of high school and you want to be a doctor, unless you, you know, there's some sort of intervening step where you go back and get some education, that's just not a possibility. So, so some choices preclude other choices. And so when we, when we get to the end of our life and we get to make the choice between heaven or hell, which I, I believe we get to make that choice, and theologians have spoken of that final choice. Actually, um, Matthew and Luke, in their um, uh, descriptions of the Our Father, the prayer of the Our Father, they, they say, do not subject us to the final test. Now, we don't say that in the, in the Our Father these days, but that's the translation. Do not subject us to the final test. Well, what is the final test? The final test is that choice between heaven and hell. And I believe in that moment, um, we're go- the devil is going to be there and he's going to tempt us. He's going to try to lure us with the things that lured and tempted us in our life today. And Jesus is going to be standing there and he's going to be wanting us to go with him to heaven. And they're both going to be fighting for that soul. I believe they fight for every soul. And depending upon the choices that we made in our life up to that point, we're going to be more inclined or less inclined to be able to hear Jesus' voice. Jesus tells us, my sheep hear my voice and they will follow me. We want to be prepared to hear Jesus' voice and not the voice of the evil one in that final moment. Because, yeah, and I've, I've... I've read and I've heard uh, priests and, and theologians say that, you know, there is um, that the, no. Well, I think it's, it's a lot of people have said um, that no one God doesn't make anybody go to hell. Right. God does not make any. I mean, he wants the exact opposite, of course. So he doesn't make anybody go there. That it is all always our choice. It's when we reject God, um, and so. You know, and I and I have heard you know theologians and priests say that, yeah, it is totally compatible with with Christian and with Catholic teaching, that you know you you know the people will at that moment of death at that very, very you know pivotal moment of death, you will no matter what you've done, be allowed a chance to receive mercy if you want it if you ask for it if you if you are open to it. But you have to want it. You have to ask for it. And that's really what this book is about, isn't it? It's preparing us for that last moment. And I suppose if, you know, what would you say about your grandmother that, you know, it was, that for her it was probably very easy? Oh, yeah. I, I, I really think that there's, you know, where, where we are in that choice at that moment of death is really based upon what we've done and the choices that we made in our life. I look at my grandmother, I look at your mother, who uh, recently passed away, and I, I look at them and I, I figured they made their choice a long time ago to follow Jesus and, for them that moment, and, to, be, and to be with Blessed Mother. So I, I kind of envision them getting up to heaven, walking through the gates, Blessed Mother putting her arm around and saying, let me show you around. Oh, I mean, hold, like, that, hold that thought, because 
right now I'm, I'm going to just uh, remind everybody is that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. We are here today in studio talking with a new book author. Her name is Diane Gerard. I know her quite well. Uh, she, is, uh, she is my wife. And uh, I know, for some strange reason, they picked me to do this particular <laughs> program today and, and do the interview. Uh, but uh, it, the book title is it's, it's called Choosing Heaven. It's only been out for a few months. If And, Diane, how can people get a copy of it if they might be interested? Yeah, they can get it uh, here at St. Joseph Radio. They can get it on Amazon. And if they're a Kindle uh, subscriber, they can read it for free uh, based upon, you know, within their subscription. Choosing Heaven, uh, the bright uh, blue and yellow cover. Um, anyways, so you were talking about, you know, it, it, the Our Father, the actual translation of the Our Father being such that, hey, um, do not subject us to the final test. And that for some people, if they've lived a saintly life, that might not, it might not even seem like a test at all. They just, what, go boom, instantly? Uh, yeah, I, I think God is light, and the evil one is darkness, right? And I, the reality is, is that the Bible is a roadmap for us. Everything we need to know has been given to us. We can't say we didn't know. I mean, going back to the Old Testament, going back to Moses, and Jesus actually in the New Testament frequently points us back to the Old Testament and to Moses. And when Moses, um, uh, when he gave the Ten Commandments to, uh, to the Israelites, he said, today I lay before you life and prosperity, death and doom. The words I give you are life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life then. God has given us the commandments. He's given us the Bible. He's given us the mass. He's given us Jesus and the prophets so that we have a roadmap to go. And all through the Bible, we are told that God is in the light and the devil is in the darkness. So how we've lived our lives we're somewhere along the way. Most of us are somewhere between that light and that darkness when we make that final uh, step either uh, to eternity, either into heaven or hell. And so I think for some of us, you know, the lures and temptations of the devil in our lives are going to make us more predisposed to, to hearing his voice. And the devil is a liar. The Bible tells us the, the devil is a liar, and when he lies, he's in character because he's, he's been a liar and a murderer from the beginning. God cannot tempt us. He is not subject to temptation, and he will never lie to us. He will never subject us to temptation. So when we get to that final moment, are we going to be deluded by the lies of the evil one, or are we going to look at our lives in a truthful way, um, atone, repent, uh, for for the harm that we may have caused others and look at our life clearly and say to God, I, I love you, I desire your mercy, I'm sorry for what I've done, and I want to go with you to eternity. You mentioned before that um, Moses said, I set before you a blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. I mean, once we know, we can't say we didn't know. God has given us. And so he's given he's given them the the commandments. This is when he's given them the commandments, the Correct. ten commandments. Correct. And then he says, "I give you this blessing, ten commandments." 
and it's a curse. Because if, if we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it, then we can be held accountable for that that we have done. It's like with small children. If they do something but they were never aware that they weren't supposed to do it, we can't really hold them accountable. But once we know, we cannot say that we didn't know. And so we cannot say that God hasn't given us this roadmap, hasn't given us a way to find our way to heaven, hasn't told us what's the reality of the world beyond this world that we're in. And so now that we know it, it's a blessing for us because if we follow it, we will find our way to heaven. It's a curse because we've known. Now we can't say we didn't know, and we will be held. We can be held accountable. Now your book, uh, you know, based on this idea that it's all in the Bible, your book relies heavily on the Bible. We have, and and it's interesting uh, in exploring and 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 putting this book together. It's taken me about ten years to put this book together. Um, we, Earlier in my life, I think I was focused primarily on the New Testament, the stories in the New Testament. Um, and I, I guess what I thought was, well, I'm a Christian, and this is what Christ said, and, and he's given us a new covenant, so I only really need to worry about the New Testament. But if you really look at Christ's life, he continually points us back to the Old Testament, and he says, I have not come to abolish the laws, but to fulfill them. And so um, the, the book takes a lot of the stories uh, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, the Psalms, the stories, the things we hear in Mass, and sort of uh, tries to show them in a light that uh, might be a little bit easier to understand for us in 2022. I think for a lot of us, and for myself as well, you know, you hear the same stories at Mass over and over again. You hear the same homilies from a priest over and over again, and you start tuning it out because, you know, this happened 2,000, 3,000 years ago, and how does it really relate to my life? Or I've heard this before, and I'm checking off my grocery list. So look at, pull those stories out, um, pull out that roadmap a little bit more and make it a little bit more relevant uh, to readers today and take those same stories and, and help to bring them uh, a little bit new light, a new life. Do you have any examples for us? Um, I, I think uh, one that really strikes me and one that's really uh, has really moved me is uh, a look at the the parallels between how Jesus sent out the disciples and how the devil uh, tempted Jesus in the desert. Those two stories are kind of far apart uh, in the Bible. They're not next to each other. But I see them as as sitting there for 2,000 years just waiting to be connected. Um, When Jesus sends out the disciples, first the apostles and then the disciples, to start preaching the, the, the good news and say, the, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When he sends them out, he sends them out with no money, 
no food, not even a walking stick. He even says, I'm sending you out as lambs before wolves, right? So he sends them out with no promises that they're going to have food, that they're not going to be cold, that they're not going to encounter dangers along the way. He has no money. So these people are going out in a time where people are walking for miles, maybe days. They show up at a town, a dusty, dirty mess, and they say, hey, let me tell you about this man who uh, will give us salvation. And they have nothing to offer anybody, no promises. The only thing they have to offer is the joy in their heart and the spirit that Jesus and the word that Jesus has given them. So there's, and God sends us out the same way with no promises. He doesn't promise any of us at birth or through our life that we're going to have food in our stomach or we're going to have money in our pocket or that we're going to have power or glory or we're going to be safe from all harm. And, but that's what the devil tries to tempt us with. If we look at how the devil tempted Jesus, the first thing he offers him is bread. And Jesus says, well, you know, I'm, man does not live on bread alone. And then he says, well, I'll give you all the power and all the glory of all these kingdoms because they're mine. Well, Jesus is the head of everything, so he doesn't need that. And, and finally, he says, throw yourself off the temple roof in a very reckless manner, and the angels are going to catch you, and you're not even going to stub your toe. So he promises him safety. So he promises them health and wealth and safety. Jesus and God promise us none of that. And so that's how we know that when, when society is promising us wealth or power or glory or safety, that it's a lie because God only promises to be with us. He doesn't promise to protect us from all of those things. And just bringing those two things together for me, is, it was just such a, uh, an amazing uh, moment when those two things came together for me. Well, we're, you know, there's, there's a lot we can uh, continue with this, but uh, we're going to be coming up on a, a break shortly, so I don't want to go to end. As a matter of fact, there's our, there's our lead in music to tell us that that is, in fact, what's going to be taking place. So this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And we're here in the studio talking with Diane Girard, author of a new book called Choosing Heaven, explaining to us how what we do in this life can help prepare us uh, for, you know, our ultimate journey and how we can get to where we want to go with that ultimate journey. So please uh, come back. We're going to be taking a short two-minute break, but uh, stay with us. And uh, when, when, we, when you do come back, we'll have more on uh, how you can also uh, perhaps benefit uh, from, these, from understanding these choices that you're making. To teach your children about our Catholic faith, Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students. 
recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And so we're back, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I am uh, Ray Girard. Uh, speaking today with a guest, which is uh, very curious. You know, I, I never would have thought at some point when I first started uh, working with St. Joseph Radio that at some point I'd be interviewing <laughs> my own ri- wife on the radio program. But that's, a, that's, that's where we are today. And there's a good reason for it. And the reason is very simple. She wrote a book called Choosing Heaven, just a light topic. And before the break, we were talking about um, this, this, this contrast of what Jesus sent the disciples out with and what, um, and what the devil tempted Jesus with for 40 days in the desert. I don't know that he actually tempted him for 40 days, but anyways, when Jesus was out, in the, you get the idea. Um, and there's this huge contrast. And it, it, it is really an interesting um, illustration for us in life because this is what happens to us every day. We get temptations, same, uh, the same variety um, uh, as the temptations that Jesus received, and he made certain choices in response to them. And what we choose in our life, I mean, that just isn't a singular moment. I mean, the, the idea behind the book is, is what? That the, these choices that we make every day, they have more than just a momentary effect. Yes, that, that as we make our choices in life, what we make is the priority, the voice we listen to. Are we listening to the voice of Jesus or are we listening to the voice of the evil one as it sort of manifests itself in society? There's so much in society that's telling us uh, it's okay, other people do it, um, you know, it's my choice, whatever it is that that, that people are telling us, you know, you can, you know, you can uh, do these things, you can take, take drugs and, you know, it's not really going to harm you. And we know that there's, there's so much that harms people in this world. I mean, look at the fentanyl crisis that we have right now in the country, things like that. 
where, where young people are dying. And they're being lured and tempted by people saying, oh, it's just, it, it, this is a safe pill. This is whatever. And you can do this and you're going to be okay. So we have to tune, I believe we have to tune our minds and our hearts and our souls to be hearing the voice of Jesus so that when we get to that final moment, we're, we're not going to be tempted enough to walk into the darkness, that we are going to uh, walk toward the light, that we are going to hear Jesus's voice. And I think that's... Because we're going to be attuned to it. Because we're going to be attuned to it, right. So you, you listen to different voices and they become the pattern in your life. The things that you pursue, the, the direction that you go, the way we talk to our children, what we, we plan to teach our children. Uh, so many people today, I've heard so many people say, well, I will let my children decide when they're of age. Well, if this is really important to you, shouldn't you be sharing it with them? If you're not sharing it with them now, how will they ever believe it really was important to you? So I think you know, um, in, in the book of Moses, again, I'm going to go all the way back there. He's like, we need to teach our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. We need to take what we've seen and what we've heard and what we believe, and we need to move it forward. And there's nothing more important to give our children than heaven, than the salvation of their souls. And so, yeah, they might need a new job or they might need a new bicycle or they might need braces or whatever. Um, or we might want to pray for uh, more peace in our family or, or, or a cure for cancer. Those are all really, really important things. But the most important thing is the salvation of people's soul. And the choices, and this is, I think, the the point that I think people have commented on so much, is that it's the choices that you make along the way that really affect you. I mean, you know, we we like to think that God is all merciful, as he is. He is. And there are no limits to his mercy, as there are not. And that we're going to benefit from that. And that no matter what, you know, hey, you know, he'll, he'll be. And what you, what you say in this book is that that's going to be available for you. For everyone, that's no matter what they've done, it will be available. But will they recognize that choice? Will I mean, they? if you believe that God's love really is unbounded, then you've got to believe that, you know. And, and St. John Vianney, uh, tells a, there's, there's a famous uh, famous story by St. John Vianney uh, where a woman came to him. And he, was, he had this reputation for being able to see into souls and things of this nature. And a woman came to him. Her husband had committed suicide. And she was deathly fearful for the salvation of his soul. And he said to her that she did not need to worry because I think he jumped off a bridge, but it, between the time he jumped off and the time that he died, in that fraction of a second or a second, you know, few second interval, he, I guess, uttered the smallest kind of prayer and that that was enough. And he opened the door and that God rushed in. So, you know, but the thing about it is 
we have to do that. Even if up to that very moment we're going down a, a certain road that leads us even to suicide, but we have the, the capacity, the wherewithal to turn to God at that last moment, that limitless mercy will be there. But we have, we have to be, we have to ask for it. We have, you know, what possesses us to do that? It's, and what you're saying is that our judgment, the way we think, gets clouded, it gets affected by these choices. Yeah, if I go back to that place in time 10 plus years ago, many years ago, where I think I was shutting out God. I mean, I still went to church every Sunday. We took our, we took our kids to, to church, even when they, we were doing uh, cheerleading trips. And, you know, our daughter's like, no one else has to go to church. <laughs> but we, you know, we on vacation, whatever. So we were do. I was doing the basic things, but I wasn't, I really wasn't allowing God in to the extent that allowed me to, to come up with, with this book. And we were on a pilgrimage and the very first day we went to, uh, we went to confession. And I remember sitting with the priest and, um, you know, you start the, the basic prayers of the Catholic confession, he says, Tell, you know, and so I said, I'm broken. And I felt really at that point in my life very overwhelmed by life, my job, everything I was trying to juggle. And he, he looked at me with these really loving eyes, and he said, being broken is not a sin. <laughs> Tell me your sins. And I said, I hold grudges. I don't even know where those words came from, but they were, they just came out of me. And immediately it was like this dam burst and I opened the door, just a little crack for Jesus, a little bit more than there had been the second before. It was the most amazing confession I've ever had. And since that moment, there's been so many blessings in my life, and this whole book is just flooded out of me, and it came from opening the door. I was listening. I thought I was, I thought I was making the right choices. I thought I was following God's love messages and so on, but I was listening to, I was listening to the world. I was being tempted. I was being lured away by you know, more money, more, more power, more whatever, and uh, was, was pushing God aside. And so... And didn't realize and it. And didn't even know it. Didn't know it till because the very, very Because the choices that second. you make, they just, they seem, and then the, the next thing that follows, one choice, the next thing that follows, it seems normal. And you could just keep going with certain, with choices that they're in line with one another. And the more you do, the more they seem normal to you. It's just the next promotion. It's the next board meeting. It's the next whatever it is. And, and all the time you're still not giving enough accord to God. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, um, that's, that there's another one. Another, I'll take another story out of the book. And your book has a lot of references to the Bible. I know when we were first working on getting this, this published, and I was told, well, you've got to go to the USCCB to get permission if you have a certain number of quotations from the Bible. If you, for example, going to use the New American Bible Revised Edition, which is the version that we uh, use at Mass every Sunday, that 
You can use a certain amount of references from the Bible without having to contact the USCCB. But if you go over the limit, well, then you gotta you gotta send them the manuscript and have them check out, you know. And um, you went way over the, over the yeah, limit. Yeah, I think the limit was like five thousand words. Five thousand words, and, and I think were, we stopped counting at like 50, 20, twenty-five thousand. Yeah. No, or I think it was more, yeah, it was yeah. double that. But anyway, um, so there are lots of stories in the Bible, but they're uh, I mean, what I what I enjoy about the book, if I if I can permitted, you know, to to offer a biased opinion, uh, what I like about the book is the conversational way in which, you know, the 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 stories are discussed. Anyway, and one of the discussions happens to occur with regard to Downing Thomas. I love. Tell that us story. about that. I love that story. That's my that's my favorite story in the book is uh, the story of Doubting Thomas, and I think we've all known it, right? I mean, we've all heard it, we've all uh, been there, and so it's after the crucifixion. The disciples are locked in a room. They're afraid of the Romans are going to come get them, and Jesus comes in and he speaks to them. And, but Thomas isn't there. One of the apostles, Thomas, is not there. And so he says, I, I, unless I can put my finger in the nail marks and put my hand You've in his side, yeah. I'm not going to believe. Mm-hmm. So the very next week, um, the disciples are again locked in this room, and Jesus comes in. He says, peace be with you. And um, he says to Thomas, look at my hands, put your finger in this nail mark and put your hand on my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He, he, he proclaims him his Lord and his God. And think about the humility of Christ. He has just died on the cross for these people. And that's not enough. He's like, okay, if, 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 <laughs> if, if, if this is what it takes for you to believe, do it. Put your, put your, hand, put your finger in the nail, mark, put your hand on my side. I believe Jesus would do that for each and every one of us. At that moment of our death, of our passing, if, it, if that's what it takes, he will humble himself that much and say, here, go ahead, put, put your, your finger in my hands and put your hand on my side if that's what it takes to believe. And all of us, none of us can say there hasn't been a moment of doubt, that we haven't been a doubting Thomas at some point or to some degree. The reason I believe that he would do that for all of us is because in the passage right before the doubting Thomas passage, when he goes to see the other disciples, all the other disciples are there. I think he goes through this locked door. He goes through locked doors. He goes through locked hearts. He says, peace be with you. And then the next words are, and he showed them his hands and his side. He showed it to all of them. What amazing love. What amazing humility by our God. If that's what it takes for you to believe, he would do even that for you. Beyond even dying on the cross, he'd let you put your finger in the nail marks in his hands. That is a love that I can't even begin to measure. Sometimes somebody will 
give us a slight offense, and we'll take such note of it. And maybe we'll tell other people about, oh, what this guy did to me and this and that, and it could be a slight thing. But here, you know, he died on the cross, and, it's, and as you say, it's not enough. And how does he react? Does he criticize? Does he think, you know, shouldn't that have been? A, no, he just humbly, again, submits. I mean, when he says turn the other cheek, that this is beyond turning the other cheek. This is just, it's a love that we can't even comprehend or measure. But so when we talk of this limitless love of God, when we think, you know, are we right to believe in this really, truly unbounded love of God, all you got to do is look at that story. Right. I, I, to me, that's such, it's probably the most powerful story to me in the Bible. Um, there's so many other things that we can look at a little bit different. Oh. Sorry. Um, oh, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. But before, before you do go on, and, and hold that thought, because we're coming up on an, another quick uh, uh, station identification, but, um, uh, you know, most of the time, we, we, we've heard that story over and over and over again, but we always focus on Thomas. Not Jesus. Not Jesus' reaction. Right. And, the, the, and, and, and it's, it's, it's there, as you say, it's, it's there in the Bible for us. It's right there. It's staring us in the face. This is what Jesus was willing to do. So this is, and this um, is St. Joseph Radio Presents, uh, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. And here in studio today, in case you're just joining us, uh, you've missed a lot, but thank you for joining now anyway. Um, and we're interviewing, I'm interviewing my wife. Uh, try that. Uh, don't try that at home. Um, this, I'm interviewing my wife uh, because, she, because um, she's done something I haven't done. She's written a book, uh, and it's about choosing heaven. And it's attempted at helping people get on the right path to, in fact, choose heaven. And what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful endeavor that is. But you were saying... Yeah, that's one of your wonderful stories, the yeah. Stanley Thomas story, but that there are so many others. There's so many others. Um, another one that I, I really, um, I, I found so many connections to the what Jesus calls the first and second greatest commandments. The first commandment, greatest commandment, obviously, is to love God with your whole heart and your soul and your body and your mind and all, all of your being. And the second, he says, is like that, is to love your neighbor. And there's so many stories, right, about, you know, loving thy neighbor and, you know, uh, the, the prodigal son or the... Uh, the uh, uh, the gentleman that is sick and is taken care of. Um, but I look at when Jesus rises and he meets Peter. And we know that Peter, on the night, of, the night before the crucifixion, has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus had, had foretold that. He told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And he does, in fact, do that. And, of course, Peter is mortified that he has abandoned the Lord. So he, uh, Jesus comes to them on the shore. He sees Peter, and he says to Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says, or Peter says, uh, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. 
And then he asks Peter a second time, you do love me? And Peter says, well, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, tend my lambs. And the third time, Jesus asks Peter, do, do you love me more than these? And Peter's really insulted. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he says, so feed my sheep or tend my sheep. And so much of what the story that we've heard, again, is focused on Peter and the, the parallel between the three times he denied him and then the three times that he affirms that he, he loves him. And in that story, I see the first and the second of the greatest commandments. He says, and let's again focus on Jesus and not on Peter. Let's focus on what Jesus says, right? Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. Well, take care of my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed them. Tend them. And he does this three times. Jesus is God. He's a member of the Trinity. So if you love God, then you must. What does he tell him to do? If you love me, then take care of my people. Tend to them, feed them. Not just take feed them, but tend to them. Take care of their wounds. Make them feel better lead them on the way to heaven. It's the first and the second of the greatest commandments. We can't do one without the other. We can't say that we can do one and not the other. If we love God and we fail to love others, we've broken both commandments. We can't, you cannot do one without the other. But so many times in a homily, and I'm not criticizing the priest because this is how we've been taught. The focus has been on the Peter and that parallel to the, to the three times he denied which is perfectly, them. Which is it's perfectly. a perfectly fine way to think about it, but I also find something, it's a deeper meaning. It's, a, it's Jesus telling us what we need to do to move forward if we love him. Because what, what I, when I read this, what, what you're saying in the book is that when he's asking him, do you love me? We tend to think of it as like, okay, well, Jesus is there talking to Peter, Jesus and Peter, just like two human, even though, you know, risen Christ, but still. But it's like, well, do you love God? Right. That's what he's really asking. Yeah. And if you love God, you got to love God's people. Correct. And that was just like, again, one of those, those moments where something just crystallized in my mind. It's been sitting there for us for all this time. Well, tell me about the Annunciation. That was another one. Yeah, so we're told that there's a trinity. And, uh, and there's we've got a about two and a half minutes left. Oh, goodness. Okay. So <laughs> we, we're told that there's a trinity, but has anybody ever – No, I don't feel like anybody's ever explained to me where we even got that concept from. But if you look at when uh, Mary is told uh, by the angel that she's going to um, – have have Christ as a baby, and, and it's like the power of the Lord is going to overshadow you, and the Spirit will overpower you, and then this baby will be born. Well, that's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit there in the Trinity. So it's at the moment of, yeah, it's oh, at the moment of conception, and Jesus is there, 
And he invokes the name of the, the angel, invokes the name of the father, and invokes the, the spirit, makes reference to the spirit. And the baby is there, and that's at that moment of conception. It's also there when Jesus walks out of the water when he's been baptized, right? It's the spirit despe- descends on him like a dove. And, and the God voice says, of the father. And the voice of the father says, this is my beloved son. So we have the father, the son, and the spirit. I know we're running out of time. That, no, but you, but, you you did that very well. You, you repped that. But <laughs> but there's there's more. I mean, there's more of those references, and we just have to look for them. We just have to find them. The references are there, and the recommendations, the coaxings, uh, you know, the 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 invocations for us to follow those ten commandments, um, to listen to God's voice, because it's all a preparation. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I just, I just, I pray for all the people that are listening. I pray for all the people who are out there, everybody, even if they're not listening. And I just pray that they hear the voice of God always, 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 even, and especially in that last uh, moment. Because we were put on this earth for a reason. And what's the reason? To go to heaven. To go to heaven. And how do we do that? We have to exercise. We have to exercise our free will. In other words, we have to make choices. We have to choose, choose heaven. Choose heaven, which just happens to be choosing heaven. Just happens to be the title of your book. So we want to, Diana. Really, I want to thank you. Thank um, you uh, for putting up with me <laughs> as your interviewer and uh, being with us today to explain explain to us uh, about the book. Um, you know, this is uh, this is something that I think, from the reactions you've already gotten from people, is something that can help change lives. It can help prepare people to be able to hear God's voice when He calls. Maybe you know, at that final moment, you know, God's going to be like the whisper in the wind that Isaiah heard. Are we going to be able to hear even a whisper? He's going to be there for us. Are we going to want want you know to be to be able to listen to Him? That's that's um, uh, you know that that's really what it's all about for all of us. We all have a journey. That journey is going to come to an end. We need to do what we need to do in this life now to prepare for that moment. This has been St. Joseph Radio presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We thank you so much for listening. And next week we'll be back with another topic. And we hope you'll join us then as well. Thank you. God bless. listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.